I'm Darcy. Welcome to Real Bites, the podcast where we discuss filmmaking and classic films in bite-sized episodes. In this episode, the topic is the 1951 film Strangers on a Train, directed by Alfred Hitchcock and starring Farley Granger and Robert Walker. Stay tuned for some thoughts on Stranger Danger, Chekhov's Lighter, and riveting tennis matches. In case you haven't seen the film, here's a short summary of Strangers on a Train. Two strangers meet on a train and joke about what a perfect crime it would be if they each killed someone the other man wants dead. In a disturbing turn of events, one man takes the plan seriously. And now for the spoilers, Bruno is the character who kills the other character Guy, his girlfriend, Marion, and then threatens to frame Guy if Guy doesn't kill Bruno's father for him. In terms of suspense, Hitchcock makes the audience aware of all the facts in the story, which is what separates this kind of suspense from what would otherwise be shock. And, you know, he he has Guy shouting on the phone about wanting to strangle Marion, and that's a hint that it's going to be. Even though Marion is annoying as a character, we don't want her dead, which is what sets up Bruno as being really evil because he's willing to do this without even a motive. And so the story becomes about how Guy now has to deal with this maniac who is keen on killing people. (laughs) And Guy's motive is set up even though he would never actually kill his girlfriend or his wife. She's his wife, actually, Miriam. In the society papers, we see he's fighting with Miriam and he's being seen out in public with the senator's daughter. And then he goes on and he yells over the phone while talking with Bruno about wanting to strangle her. So he does, he has a motive, he's not willing to act on it. His motive is exploited by Bruno, who then has the opportunity to threaten him with it. Some of the prominent themes in this film are fate. We see in the train when they first meet, their feet touch. They happen to meet. And then that's what starts off the story. That's quite a good opening sequence. You see the two different kinds of shoes walking. You see Guy's tennis shoes and you see Bruno's polished, fancy, really fancy shoes. There's also quite a bit of doubles going, units of two, and it's not just the tennis pun because you see two pairs of feet. You see Miriam's glasses and reflections and there's two, two of them plotting to kill two people. There's a scene where Bruno drops Guy's lighter in the storm drain, and it's the lighter he plans to use to frame Guy for the murder. He wants to leave it at the scene of the crime to frame Guy because he borrowed that lighter in the beginning, and which is a great use of Chekhov's gun, which is the theme of, you know, if he, you have something in Act 1 and you have to use it again in Act 2. If you have a gun on the wall, it has to go off. So the lighter, it seems quite insignificant at first. It's a gift from Anne, who is the senator's daughter and Guy's girlfriend, and there's an engraving on it. So it's a very good artifact to use to frame someone, because it hints at the motive as well. The fact that a good chunk of the movie was set in an amusement park is quite ironic, and it contrasts the carefree fun with of the amusement park with the impending death and the suggestion of murder, because that's where the first murder happens when Bruno kills Miriam. 
there's two significant shots which stood out to me. The first one was in the very beginning, during the first murder, when Miriam's glasses fall off and they're on the ground. And in the reflection in the glasses, you can see Bruno strangling her. Another shot which stood out was when Guy and Bruno meet after Miriam's murder, where Bruno goes over to him to gloat and he waits in his street, where there happens to be this barred gate. At one point, they go behind it. When the shadows are cast and they're standing together behind the gate, it encapsulates the feeling of it's done, it's dusted, and they're in this together, whether they like it or not. Obviously, Bruno does, Guy does not. And they're metaphorically behind bars together. Lots of puns in this. There's a scene in the film where Anne and her sister Barbara are waiting for a phone call from Guy. And Hitchcock wanted to have the phone be the center of the shot, but there were some restrictions with depth of field at the time in camera lenses. And so they had, they built a huge phone and they put it in front of her. And then when she reached for it, the camera went around to crop out the phone and they replaced the phone with a regular size one, with, which she picked up, which is an interesting solution to such a problem. The carousel scene was insane. You can't tell when you look at it, but they had a miniature of the carousel and then apparently they blew the little miniature up and then they took that film and they projected it and they had actors running around in front of it. It looks so good. In terms of a practical effect, that's kind of like a green screen, but without the green screen. I wonder where they put the projector in order to have it like that. Harley Granger, of course, who plays Guy in Strangers on a Train, also stars in Hitchcock's film Rope, where he plays a murderer, ironically. There's a cameo of Hitchcock as he does, you know, cameos in, I think all of his movies he has a cameo. This one, it's where he gets off the train in one shot. Hitchcock's daughter actually plays Barbara in the film. This film encapsulates the ultimate stranger danger mentality, and I found it very enjoyable to watch. I've seen it a couple of times now. I'm always impressed with how Hitchcock makes a tennis match seem suspenseful and interesting. I'm pretty sure this is the longest tennis match I've ever watched <laughs> in my life. That might just be the longest tennis match anyone's ever watched. You've been listening to Real Bites, the podcast where we discuss filmmaking and classic films in bite-sized episodes. This podcast is free to listen to, and it's available anywhere you get your podcasts. We have quite a few social media channels. We have YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TikTok, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And you can find all the links at realbites.card.co, which is spelled R-E-E-L-B-I-T-E-S dot C-A-R-R-D dot C-O. Thank you for listening.